We all have a creative part of our brain, whether we use it or not, for generating new ideas, problem solving, and just viewing ourselves in this world. I am Ricky McGeckron, an artist living in Chicago, and I am eager to know and share with you all how people of a creative leaning have brought this way of thinking to the forefront and how it has shifted outcomes. Ben has been a creative spirit from an early age, and in speaking with him, I found that his creative journey is very similar to mine. I am happy to share my conversation with landscape architect and founder of Himsben Design Studio, Ben Himshoot. So welcome to the Himsben Design Studio. This is for um, our primary business, which is landscape architecture and design build. And uh, we are now venturing into interior design as well. Um, so I have a, a team now that we're collaborating, uh, both of us have also an interior designer and now um, landscape designer working for me full time. Um, so we're looking to be able to work with clients across a range of project types. So does that mean that the, those two parts work together, like interior and exterior? Yeah, ideally, um, we'd, we'd be able to work with clients both on the inside and outside, or it could be, you know, one or the other. Just tell me about 101 on landscape design, you know, in a couple sentences, what it's all about. Okay, so landscape architecture is what um, officially, I guess, is the title. Um, landscape architecture is about designing the living and built environment outside of buildings. So um, here in Chicago in the city, it could be a roof deck, it could be on top of a building, it could be an exterior park, or it could be someone's backyard or private garden space. So we work to really design and transform those spaces that are and meaningful and to our clients and they have the right program, they have the right elements. Um, and because they're living things, um, landscape design is interesting that, you know, what you design and install on day one is going to be something different in five, 10 or 20 years as the plant materials develop and it goes, you know, ages over time. So. Okay. So it sounds like this is more than just plants though. It sounds like there's other elements that you are pulling together. Yes. So we do um, what's known as hardscape design, which is, um, if you can imagine things that are hard outside, so they could be walkways, it could be um, garden benches or seat walls, retaining walls, um, pergolas, outdoor kitchens, uh, fire elements. I mean, there's a, a range of uh, different things that we use in our designs um, to create these spaces. Yeah. Okay, that sounds, that sounds amazing um, because you are potentially build, you know, transforming the way people live. Potentially, that's the idea, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so that's great. So how did you get into that? Because I, I know that we did have a pre-conversation and um, you have a background that is not in that, it's in something else. That is very true. So the, the long arc of my journey to becoming a landscape architect started um, growing up in, actually in the construction trade, if you will, my father had an excavating company um, down in Southwest Florida. And so I grew up uh, with a shovel in my hand, as I like to say, um, working, doing manual labor. And um, after the, over the years of, of sweating and toiling, I swore I was never gonna do that for a living. So uh, my um, plan to escape that was uh, actually to get a degree in business. So I left home at the tender age of 17 to go to college full time, um, got my degree in international business that I was gonna travel the world. Okay, but your, so, but your interest in getting a degree in business, was that because you were interested in business or you were interested in doing something other than manual labor? Something other than manual labor, and I saw that as my ticket to kind of escaping the small little 
island community where I grew up. <laughs> so that was the, the main motivating factor at the time. Yeah. Okay. And so your intention, once you got into international business and then it's, you know, being a global executive, traveling yeah. around yeah. the world. And deals and just living the, you know, the good life is, was my thought. And fast forward a few years, I, uh, I got my degree. Uh, my first job out of college was in Miami and uh, working in logistics and freight forwarding and in a windowless warehouse uh, where I worked 60, 70 hour work weeks and hated my life, hated my job, hated everything about it. Um, so I, I did that for about two years and said, this is, this is nuts. I, I, and my father at the time needed help with his construction business, which was growing. Um, so I ended up moving back to the area that I swore I would get away from and working with my father's company, helping him run his uh, construction company. Um, so in the process of doing that, he suggested that I start a landscape division because we were already had an active set of clients who were working, who, who were doing the excavating and land moving work. And then once that, um, I realized I had that opportunity, I started doing some cutting grass and taking on some, some landscape projects. So this was really not my idea, it wasn't my intention, but very quickly I realized I had a love for the plants and especially for design. And that's the area that I realized I didn't have the skills and the experience in. And so I went back and got my master's degree in landscape architecture because of this whole experience. So that ah. was a long-winded <laughs> explanation of how I got into uh, landscape design and landscape architecture. So this whole creative, the whole creative aspect of it that you went to school for, I assume that that is not the first time that you had been excited about creative ideas. Um, I was exposed to the arts at a young age. Um, my mother actually had a dance studio. She was a ballerina and uh, taught dance for, she had a studio for 50 years. So I actually grew up um, learning various dance um, styles. So tap and ballet and jazz and all that. And, so um, she would bring you, to, bring you to work or she would teach you at home? In her classes, she made sure I was, I learned all these different styles of dance. And then um, of course, having her own design, her own ballet studio, it was twice a year we'd have the Christmas recital and then the, the end of year recital in June, uh, which was always a big production. So I was always running around helping make the sets and painting the scenery. And, you know, sometimes if I wasn't in the production, you know, dancing, I was kind of behind the scenes helping, um, you know, opening the curtains and doing the special effects and that kind of thing. So that was so kind why, of why didn't you think to do something like that for a career as opposed to is that something you even considered or um, i think by the time i was 14 or 15 i was really i saw like being a dancer or being in that whole thing it was almost an embarrassment to me because i was still struggling with coming out as a gay man so i was very closeted so to me that was just never really an option i think um to be part of that whole world so your story is so similar to mine. Um, and really? you know, yeah, so not to get into too much about me, but basically I was a very creative kid. And then at some point, probably around, I don't know, nine or 10, I started to get picked on a little bit, not a lot, but a little bit. And I was mm -hmm. like, yeah, I'm not, gonna be, I'm not gonna be the artsy kid anymore. And, mm -hmm. and I ended up falling in love with science and I went to school for engineering. Wow. And it wasn't that I, I didn't want to be an engineer, but I knew that it was guaranteed a risk, a low risk way to make money right out of college. Yep. It was the same exact thing. And then I did it and I didn't like it and I ended up doing something else. But yeah, it sounds like a very similar, because now I'm an artist. It sounds yep. like a very similar journey. 
yeah, yeah, that's that's fantastic. Um, yeah, I think also I, I do appreciate that my mother, um, like she made sure I had art classes growing up. So I took painting and drawing and sculpting, um, and I, which I always loved, you know, to have that kind of creative outlet. Um, but again, I just never really knew how to kind of connect those things in a way that would, you know, what I thought would create a, a successful career for myself. So, and so, I, and then I started my own business. So I was in Florida and I was working um, and had my own kind of design build studio there um, before coming to uh, Chicago. Um, when my husband got the opportunity for us to move here seven years ago. So, so you've been here seven years. Seven years now, yeah. And how do you like the weather as it relates to plants and opportunities for like what you can select, uh, you know, and all that, that whole thing. Yeah. Um, so really the biggest difference between Florida and here is we have seasons here. Um, we have four of them. It's, it's, it's pretty incredible. So there's a much more difference in the plant material that, you know, remains green throughout the year versus the perennial plants that drop their leaves or they go dormant and they come back. Um, I actually really enjoy having this variety of plants, materials to work with um, on the outside. I had to relearn, you know, all, all the plants that grew in this, in this climate, but um, I love that there is a succession of seasons and that also influences my design, you know, in, in landscape because you have to also plan for the four seasons of what's going to look good compositionally. Yeah, that sounds like that would be a big adjustment. Yeah, it, it is. It is. But the, the, I think the basic core concepts of designing is is kind of still the same um you have um you know you have color you have textures you have layers um you know you have to kind of think in three dimensions a little bit um but it's it's a fun challenge i really enjoy that i'm curious about learning dance um at a young age like that because i i don't know anything about you know i've never been a trained dancer or anything like that although i was a gymnast but um is is that a creative exercise Learning dance or not? Would you consider that affected the creative part of your brain? It definitely teaches you um, rhythm, balance, cadence, melody, you know, in, in movement, I think. It also kind of helps your brain and your body kind of connect in those ways. Yeah. So I think there's a creative aspect to it. Um, when you're learning choreographed dance, you're kind of learning someone else's creation. Yeah. Um, I, uh, I had gone back and tried to take some dance classes as an adult and have failed horribly at it so because for some reason i can't seem to follow choreography it just doesn't stick in my brain very easily um but i do love to get on the dance floor and just kind of let loose and have you know let that be my own creation so um it's interesting that you know i, I kind of started in one you know regimen of dance and now as an adult i've kind of found myself in a very different space brain wise <laughs> as it relates to dance yeah I'd like to know what your ideal client would be or ideal project would be. <laughs> ideal project and clients. Um, like, fan, think, like fantasy project. Fantasy projects. Um, I've been really, really blessed with having my own design studio that most of the clients I had the pleasure of working with have been delightful. Um, obviously a, a client that has no set budget would be is always a, a delightful you know, objective, um, one that has a variety of spaces and interests that um, allow us to just really let me do my job as a creative. Would it be, um, would it be a, um, a residence? It could be a residence. It could be um, a commercial project. Um, I've connected most with, with residential clients. It's, it's so much more of a personal experience when you're designing 
a space that someone lives in versus a, a public yeah. space. Um, so I would say, yeah, a, a dream project or client would be a, a, a client with a multi-acre estate and lots of wish list items and a limited mm -hmm. budget and lots of space for me to kind of go do a hog wild with. <laughs> so is an outdoor kitchen part of what you would design? Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm going into construction in the coming weeks. So we do outdoor kitchens, um, pergolas, fire pits, outdoor lighting systems. Um, so really it's, it's whatever you want to create. <laughs> so, yeah, that's the, the fun part. Yeah. An outdoor kitchen is, uh, when I go on vacation to like Mexico or something, my, you know, my friends and I rent a house and we Outdoor kitchens are always part of what we get, but it, obviously I don't have one living here in Andersonville in Chicago. Yeah, or at least not yet. <laughs> um, I do have some clients here in the city that um, have outdoor kitchens on their you know, roof to terraces and decks here as well. So that's, um, those are always fun. So what do you want people listening to this? What do, what do you want them to know about what you have to offer? That's a wonderful question. Um, I'm... First of all, thank you again so much for having me on your show. This is uh, delightful. Um, I would just want people to know that, you know, we are um, here to serve our clients, to build relationships, to help them transform their living spaces, both inside and outside. And um, we now have this lovely design studio that you see here behind us as a resource. Uh, we've got a, an excellent growing team that I'm really uh, proud of and excited to be working with. And um, I would love to have the opportunity to engage with anyone who's interested in, in our services. So. And I'm not sure if this was included, the location of your design studio. I know we talked about it, but I think that was before we started recording. Uh, the yep. location of the design studio is where? We are in Edgewater, and the actual address is 6136 North Clark Street um, here in Edgewater, just south of Granville. So we're pretty centrally located to the, the north side of Chicago. And uh, I'd say about 90% of our projects are within a 10 or 15 minute radius of us. So we can, you know, hop on the expressway and be downtown in 15 minutes or up to the North shore uh, equally as quickly. So. Um, okay. And um, you know, people that are listening to this that are maybe in a situation where they are not using their creativity mm -hmm. as you know, you were at one point and you made some changes so that you could do that. Um, do you have any suggestions to people that are watching this that maybe are not living as much of a creative life as they wish they could and anything they could do to make a shift? Absolutely. <laughs> so my first piece of advice is that life is way too short to not love what you do. Um, and no salary or position or title is ever going to make you happy if you're denying yourself um, the creative experience, if that's your passion. So I would encourage anyone that finding themselves stuck or finding themselves not feeling like they're fully realizing um, their creative outlet and it, to um, look for a change and, and go for it and really um, put, your, put your passion, put, you, put your life, your passion into your life and pursue your dreams. So, and I, and I, I mean, it, that's that old adage, it sounds silly, but like follow your passion and the money will follow. Um, is I've heard people say that. Um, I, I think it's, it can be true. I mean, you have to put in the work. It's not easy. It doesn't just fall into your lap. But, um, you know, I think if you really apply yourself and, and can tap into your creative energy, I think it's, it, it can be very rewarding. So. Yeah, the, the last person that I, was, that I had on the pon podcast, Chuck, he said that exact same thing, you know, follow your passion and the money will follow. I'm not 100% sold on that. 
um, <laughs> but, um, but I think that the hard work part is, you know, is a, is a big component yeah. and, um, you know, working hard at whatever you do. And I think that you'd be, you're going to be at least get results. Yeah. <laughs> You're at least you'll you're at least find out that it's not going to work quicker. The more harder you work, and the more you're putting out and engaging with the world, you're going to get more results. And if you're getting the wrong results, you're going to know quicker the harder you work. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. And I guess kind of to that point, when I look back at like kind of my arc of like going from you know, doing something I hated, and then I mean, when I think of like when I actually started my the, like the landscape offshoot of my father's business, you know, all those years ago, I mean, this was in the early 2000s. So this was, yeah, so we're talking 16 years ago that I kind of made that segue. But then I had that first business and I learned a lot and I made some mistakes, you know, and then right after grad school, I had my own business in Florida and that was growing, but I was also learning a lot. So this is actually my third time in having this design studio of being self-employed of really going for it. Um, and now it's feeling like it's all kind of come together, but it's also been... 16 years of me really pursuing this dream and really working in this direction. So it doesn't happen overnight, but I think definitely. Um, so when you say that it's all coming together, what, what is happening now that had not been happening over the past 16 years? Um, well, for me, I've, I mean, just this physical design studio space has been a dream of mine for a very, very long time. So to finally have achieved that and now have an actual physical space, um, as opposed to before this, I was working out of my home uh, for all those years. So um, to actually have an actual design studio, to have a space uh, to be creative, uh, to pour my energy into and, and be able to gather and bring my clients, um, that for me is just like one of the most incredible things that's that's happened to me um, recently. So um, it's very exciting. That's and great. Really growing and blossoming and flourishing these last few years has really been um, exciting to see as well. So the fact that I've been able to add other people to my team as well, um, and not just being kind of a one-man show has been also really, really powerful for me as well. How is it working with the business aspect of running a business and all of the annoying things that you have to deal with with that and the creative stuff? You definitely have to switch hats and kind of be able to work both sides of that equation. Um, again, like I said, being self-employed previously had really helped me learn a lot of those lessons of how to manage and run a, run a small business. Um, and I guess the fact that I did go to business school was also a good platform for me to have that underlying core training. But to be fair, they don't always teach you how to run a business in business school either. So a lot of it's trial by error and seeing how other people succeed or not succeed and learning from their mistakes and others and kind of then figuring out what works. <laughs> now, did your dad run his own business? Yeah, yes. And yeah. did your mom run her own business? as well yes ah see that's really important that that was something that you were exposed to early on that mindset yeah i definitely came from an entrepreneurial family so that was kind of in my ingrained in my my psyche so to speak um yeah um funny enough, my, actually my sister found digging through some old records uh my first landscape contract from 1987 <laughs> that was drawn on a napkin from when I was six years old that my father had, you know, done this thing where I was going to go um, mow this guy's yard and pick up the, the tree limbs. Um, and it's actually all written out as a, as, a, as a contract on a napkin that she saved. And I actually have it framed here in my design studio. So I guess if you look back at the whole arc of things, it's kind of interesting that, you know, that was 
imprinted on me at a very young age. Um, so, yeah. yeah, I think that kind of stuff is really important. I think that even if your parents aren't explicitly, you know, talking about or teaching about being an entrepreneur, you're simply, you're being exposed to the dynamic and their view on the world. And I think that obviously, you know, how you're raised and your parents' viewpoint on the world is going to affect you. Now, I know that you have, like me, you're the youngest and you have older sisters. Um, are they entrepreneurs as well? Um, to some extent, yes. Um, a couple of them are, they have their own uh, businesses as well. So, um, yeah. But it's, it's interesting. And I, being the youngest of four too, I think I also had the advantage of kind of seeing how the other ones grew up and then saying, oh, you know, they did this worked and this didn't work. And then kind of finding my own path <laughs> forward. Um, so, yeah. I can definitely relate to that. Um, how much older are your sisters? Um, a pretty good age gap. So the oldest is 12 years older. Second oldest is 11, and then the youngest is eight years older than me. <laughs> so mine are 12, 10, 7, and 5 years older. Wow. Okay, very similar. Yeah, so it's very, very similar. And I was, uh, uh, I did something like that where I was always look, you know, I was always interested in being successful and, you know, my future. And I was always looking at what they were doing and what was working and what wasn't working. And, you know, paying attention to their successes and failures and um, trying to, so that was helpful. It was, it is, isn't it? <laughs> One of the benefits of being an artist and a creative person like yourself, where you envision something and then you manifest it in the world and people experience it, that's an amazing experience. Um, and yours is different because people are living in what you create. Yes. So tell me about that experience. And I'm sure that's something that you wouldn't be able to get no matter how successful you were in international business. Yeah, um, I would say absolutely. That is a, kind of almost a magical quality of what we're able to do as creatives. And as a landscape designer, a landscape architect, um, especially when I'm working with residential clients, I immediately always look for that connection with them, try to understand them, understand their mood, their how they live, how they experience, how they want to experience the space. Um, and I really try to connect with them on a really deep level, almost a psychic level, if you will, um, so that I can kind of channel what I envision them needing and wanting in their lifestyle and how they're going to like almost envision how they're going to use the space as I'm designing it. And some of the most rewarding moments that I've had is that when you do the final walkthrough with a client, I mean, there's often tears that like I'll be crying, they'll be crying just from the sheer joy of knowing like when I've nailed a design and then we walk through that space and it's, I know it's something they're going to live in and enjoy and use for years to come. That's like probably one of the most rewarding things about my job. And I think that's what really addicted me to being a designer, you know, yeah. it's just, and, create something that and it's not about my ego it's just more about like oh my gosh i get to you know make this space that's that's you know meaningful and that has impact on people's lives that to me is 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 powerful so yeah, yeah that's a talent for you have to have a way of connecting with people and understanding people and being a good it's not even just listening like that is you have to have a sense oh uh, you have to have a special type of antenna Mm -hmm. to connect with people in a way that you can create something that's going to make them cry. Like, is it just conversation or how do you get to know people so um, that you can know enough about them? Yeah. It's, I mean, it all starts with, you know, the, the initial 
even phone call or connection, a lot of times I'll know almost immediately if I'm, you know, screening an incoming lead or, or a potential client. Sometimes I'll know within like minutes if like I know this is going to be like an ideal client for us or like mm, not a good fit. In which case I've been blessed that I've been able to be like turn down a few, you know, opportunities just because I didn't, I knew in my gut that this just is not going to be the best fit because, um, you know, it's, I'm not everyone's cup of tea and vice versa. So um, I don't know. I maybe I'm not trying to say I'm, I have special powers or senses, but there's just something intuitive that I know through my conversations with people and getting to know them a little bit. And during those initial consultations that I can usually tell like, Hey, this is definitely how I want to connect. And sometimes it's, it's more challenging than others. Of course, some clients really are, you know, a little scared along the way. So you have to play a counselor or, um, you know, kind of guide them through the whole process as well. So that's actually part of it as well. So building that connection, um, with your clients is so important to what we do. So. Yeah. I would say that you do have special powers. I mean, that is a special power. Not anyone can do that. And that's why people are paying you. So I would definitely say you have a special power. I'm very blessed and very humbled to be able to do what I do and be able to get to create and design and, you know, have these exciting moments, you know. It's, it's, okay. Well, I'm very, very happy for you. I'm always happy when people are able to um, have a creative experience in their lives like that. Um, you know, um, there's many people that wish they could and they don't. And, um, you know, I know I'm very grateful that I get to have that experience and I'm extremely happy for you that, you know, you get to, and also your new studio and it sounds like your, some of your dreams are coming true and that's, that's wonderful. So if people want to, connect with you to find out if you guys are a good fit to work together for interiors or exteriors what do they need to do we're on social media so um you can check us out on facebook or on instagram um our website's a great place to start looking at our portfolio and seeing if uh, our design style and aesthetic is something that excites you um or you can always pick up the phone and give us a call um our phone number is 312-725-4417 or our uh internet website is www.himsbendesign.com and uh, we look forward to hearing from you. Okay. And our Instagram is at HDS underscore Chicago. All right. Well, thank you so much for, uh, for connecting with me. I know that, um, you know, you and I have, I've had you at my house. I have these, well, I, I can't do them now because of COVID, but being new to Chicago, and I'm always trying to connect with new people and connect with other creatives, I was having these regular parties where all of the artists that I met, I would just invite them over and make food. And I know that you came to a couple of them. Yes, it was amazing, and I miss that. So I look forward to the day and time we can connect in that way again. Yeah, yeah. definitely. All right, well, thank you. Thank you, I really appreciate you. My name is Ricky McGeckrin, and you have been listening to Eager to Know, the podcast. If you haven't already, please go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join me next week for another Eager to Know podcast.